Chapter Fourteen of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Light Before Shrine. Edith did not appear at breakfast. Alden seemed preoccupied, ate but little, and Madame, pale after a sleepless night, ate nothing at all. Furtively she watched her son, longing to share his thoughts and warn him against the trouble that inevitably lay ahead. Womanlike, she blamed the woman, even including herself she knew that what she had seen last night was not the evidence of a mere flirtation or passing fancy and reproached herself bitterly because she had asked edith to stay and yet what mother could hope to shield her son against temptation in its most intoxicating form for his thirty years he had lived in the valley practically without feminine society only his mother and of late rosemary then star-like upon his desert edith had arisen young beautiful unhappy with all the arts and graces a highly specialized civilization bestows upon its women madame's heart softened a little toward edith perhaps she was not wholly to blame she remembered the night edith had endeavored to escape a tete-a-tete -tete with alden and she herself had practically forced her to stay regardless of the warning given by the crystal ball in which madame now had more faith than ever she had not only given opportunity but had even forced it upon them looking back she could not remember upon edith's part a word or even a look that had been out of place she could recall no instance in which she had shown the slightest desire for alden's society where another woman might have put herself in his way times without number edith had kept to her own room and had gone out alone on the contrary madame herself had urged drives and walks frequently she had asked alden to do certain things and had reminded him of the courtesy due from host to guest once when she had requested him to take edith out for a drive he had replied somewhat sharply that he had already invited her and she had refused to go murmuring an excuse alden left the table and went out madame was rather glad to be left alone for she wanted time to think not as one thinks in darkness when one painful subject thrown out of perspective assumes exaggerated proportions of importance but in clear sane sunlight surrounded by the reassuring evidences of everyday living obviously she could not speak to either she could not say to alden i saw you last night with edith in your arms and that sort of thing will not do nor could she say to edith my dear you must remember that you are a married woman she must not only wait for confidences but must keep from them both forever the fact that she had accidentally stumbled upon their divine moment after long thought and eager to be just she held edith practically blameless yet none the less earnestly wished that she would go home she smiled whimsically wishing that there were a social formula in which without offence one might request an invited guest to depart she wondered that one's home must be continually open when other places are permitted to close the graceful social lie not at home had never appealed to madame why might not one say truthfully i am sorry you want to see me for i haven't the slightest desire in the world to see you please go away or to an invited guest when i asked you to come i wanted to see you but i have seen quite enough of you for the present and would be glad to have you go home her reflections were cut short by the appearance of edith herself wan and weary very pale but none the less transfigured by secret joy her eyes alight with mysterious fires held in their starry depths a world of love and pain 
in some occult way she suggested to madame a light burning before a shrine edith did not care for breakfast but forced herself to eat a little she responded to madame's polite inquiries in monosyllables and her voice was faint and far away yes she was well no she had not slept until almost morning no nothing was making her unhappy that was nothing new after all perhaps she did have a headache yes she believed she would lie down it was very kind of madame but she did not believe she wanted any luncheon and certainly would not trouble any one to bring it up yet at noon when madame herself appeared with a tempting tray edith gratefully accepted a cup of coffee she was not lying down but was sitting in her low rocker with her hands clasped behind her head and the photograph of her husband on the dressing-table before her yes she said in answer to madame's inquiring glance that's my husband it was taken just about the time we were married madame took the picture studied it for a moment then returned it to its place she made no comment having been asked for none won't you lie down dear yes i believe i will truly yes i promise with a sad little smile she kissed madame closed the door and turned the key in the lock the old lady sighed as she went down with the tray reflecting how impossible it is really to aid another unless the barrier of silence be removed at four she had her tea alone no sound came from upstairs and alden neither returned to luncheon nor sent word when he came in a little past six he was tired and muddy his face was strained and white and vouchsafing only the briefest answers to his mother's solicitude went straight to his room exactly upon the stroke of seven both appeared alden in evening clothes as usual and edith in her black gown above which her face was deathly white by contrast in spite of the spangles she wore no ornaments not even the string of pearls about her bare throat you look as though you were in mourning my dear said madame let me get you a red rose she started toward the veranda but with a little cry edith caught her and held her back no she said in a strange tone roses are not for me the dinner gong chimed in with the answer and the three went out together neither alden nor edith made more than a pretence of eating edith held her head high and avoided even his eyes though more than once madame saw the intensity of his appeal afterward he took his paper madame her fancy work and edith attempting to play solitaire hopelessly fumbled her cards madame made a valiant effort to carry on a conversation alone but at length the monologue wearied her and she slipped quietly out of the room edith turned with a start and hurriedly rose to follow her alden intercepted her no he said quietly there are things to be said between you and me i thought edith murmured as she sank into the chair he offered her that everything was said last night everything perhaps but not for the last time she leaned forward into the light put her elbows upon the table and rested her head upon her clasped hands as though to shade her eyes well she said wearily look at me her hands trembled but she did not move he leaned across the table unclasped her hands gently and forced her to look at him her eyes were swimming with unshed tears darling my darling have i made you unhappy no she faltered how could you he came to her sat down on the arm of her chair slipped his arm round her and held her close against his shoulder listen he said 
you belong to me don't you absolutely could you could you make yourself free yes as you mean it i could then when never the word rang clear tensely vibrant with denial edith what do you mean releasing herself she stood and faced him this she said at the altar i pledged myself in these words until death do us part and forsaking all others keep thee only unto me so long as we both shall live isn't that plain the law he began law repeated edith why don't you say perjury and be done with it dearest you don't understand you i know what i said she reminded him grimly i said for better or worse not for better only you promised to love and to honour also didn't you edith bowed her head i did she answered in a low tone and i have and god helping me i shall do so again have i no rights he asked with a sigh he could scarcely hear the murmured answer none nor you she shook her head sadly avoiding his eyes and suddenly turned and faced him what of your own honour she demanded what of miss star i have thought of that he replied miserably i have thought of nothing else all day edith leaned back against the table what she asked curiously were you planning to do the dull colour rose to his temples go to her he said with his face averted tell her the truth like a man and ask for freedom she laughed the sort of laugh one hears from a woman tossing in delirium madame heard it upstairs and shuddered like a man edith repeated scornfully say it he said roughly like a cad if that's what you mean she laughed again but with a different cadence ask yourself first she continued and then be honest with me how would you feel he shrugged his shoulders uneasily i admit it but i'm willing to pay the price i'll feel like a cad all the rest of my life if i must in order to have you if a man has no self-respect she retorted what can he expect from his wife breathed alden in a rapturous whisper oh edith say you will she turned away for she could not force herself to meet his eyes her little white hands clasped the edge of the table tightly have you thought of this he continued suppose for him there is another woman there isn't she denied i know that perhaps not in the sense you mean but if he were free edith drew a long breath i never thought of that steadily the man pursued his advantage there must be some reason for his treating you as he does for making you miserable if for any cause whatever he wanted his freedom would it make any difference to you she tapped her foot restlessly upon the floor the atmosphere was surcharged with expectancy then grew tense with waiting alden's eyes never swerved from her face have you any right through principles of your own which i thoroughly understand and respect to keep a man bound who desires to be free she swayed back and forth unsteadily alden assisted her to her chair and stood before her as she sat with her elbows upon her knees her face hidden in her hands with the precise observation one accords to trifles in moments of unendurable stress 
he noted that two of the hooks which fastened her gown at the back of her neck had become unfastened and that the white flesh showed through the opening if said alden mercilessly he longs for his freedom and the law permits him to take it have you the right to force your principles upon him and thus keep him miserable when he might otherwise be happy the clock in the hall struck ten the sound died into silence and the remorseless tick-tick went on outside a belated cricket fiddled bravely as he fared upon his way the late moon flooded the room with light have you demanded alden he endeavoured to speak calmly but his voice shook answer me edith leaned back in her chair white and troubled i don't know she murmured with lips that scarcely moved before god i don't know the man went on pitilessly don't you think you might find out before you condemn yourself and me to everlasting separation don't you think you might at least ask him yes said edith slowly i might ask him i'll go no you needn't go can't you write yes she returned i can write all the emotion had gone from her voice she said the words as meaninglessly as a parrot might a letter has distinct advantages remarked alden trying to speak lightly you can say all you want to say before the other person has a chance to put in a word yes she agreed in the same meaningless tone that is true when queried alden after a pause will you write to-morrow he nodded his satisfaction tell him he suggested that you love another man and no she interrupted i won't tell him that i'll say that i've tried my best to be a good wife and i've tried as best i knew to make him happy i'll say i've she choked on the word i'll say i've failed i'll tell him i can do no more that i do not believe i can ever do any better than i have done and ask him to tell me frankly whether or not he prefers to be free that's all that isn't enough you have rights we're not speaking of my rights she said coldly we're speaking of his a silence fell between them tense and awkward the open gate between them had turned gently upon its hinges then closed with a suggestion of finality the clock struck the half-hour outside the cricket still chirped cheerily regardless of the great issues of life and love come outside alden pleaded taking her hand in his no she said but she did not withdraw her hand come dear come he led her out upon the veranda where the moon made far-reaching shadows with the lattice and the climbing rose then returned for chairs the same two in which they had sat the night before she was the first to break the pause how different it all is she sighed last night we sat here in the moonlight just where we are now in twenty-four hours everything has changed the face of all the world is changed i think since first i heard the footsteps of thy soul he quoted softly when did you know she asked the night i read rossetti to you and kissed your arm do you remember it rushed upon me like an overwhelming flood when did you know i think i've always known not the fact exactly but the possibility of it the first night i came i knew that you and i could care a great deal for each other not that we ever would but merely that we might under different circumstances in a way it was as though a set of familiar conditions might be seen in a different aspect or in a different light 
from the first he said you've meant a great deal to me in every way i was discontented moody restless and unhappy when you came that was mainly responsible for he hesitated glanced at her accepted her nod of understanding and went on i've hated the vineyard and the rest of my work god only knows how i've hated it it seemed sometimes that i'd die if i didn't get away from it mother and i had it out one day and finally i decided to stay merely to please her because i had nothing more to do than to make her happy i determined to make the best of things you've made me feel that in a way it's myself that's at stake i want to take it and make it widely known among vineyards as it has been for my own sake and for yours edith leaned toward him full into the light her face still pale was rapt almost holy to him as to madame earlier in the day she somehow suggested the light before a shrine thank you she said the low full contralto tones were vibrant with emotion there was a pause as though a light had been suddenly thrown upon one groping in darkness alden saw many things his longing for edith while no less intense became subtly different he seemed to have turned a corner and found everything changed dear he went on there's something wonderful about this i've he stopped and cleared his throat i mean it's so exquisitely pure so transcendently above passion last night when i had you in my arms it wasn't man and woman it was soul and soul do you understand yes i know passion isn't love any more than hunger is but an earth-bound world seldom sees above the fog of sense i could love you always he returned and never so much as touch your hand or kiss you again she nodded smiling full comprehension then she asked briefly why write merely because we belong to one another in a divine sense and marriage is the earthly sanction of it or ought to be if you and i were both free and i thought marriage would in any way change this i-i wouldn't ask you to marry me rising from her chair she bent over kissed him on the forehead went to the lattice picked another rose and came back see she said standing in the light life and beauty and joy all in a rose and love he added and love she held it at arm's length sharply defined the shadow fell upon the white floor of the veranda perfect in line and there she continued is the same thing in another form it is still a rose anyone can see that only the colour and fragrance are gone but one can remember both to-morrow i'll write and find out which we're to have the rose or the shadow of the rose it's chance he said like the tossing of a coin most things are she reminded him did you ever stop to think what destinies attend the opening or closing of a door he made no answer good-night she said with a smile good-night my beloved his face was illumined with the light that never was on sea or land but he did not even attempt to touch her hand End of chapter fourteen